Listener Production. Boating isn't a passing craze, it's a passion, a lifestyle, an obsession. And with near on 3 million boat owners here in Australia, the love is only spreading. Welcome to Hookline and Sinker's Boat Shed. I'm Luke McCredden and with me Andrew Hart and Nick Digan from the hit TV show Hookline and Sinker. In this series, we're swinging the doors open and inviting you in as we search for what it is that makes up a great boat and give you something to think about for choosing the right boat for you. We're diving deep into the detail around what makes up a suitable vessel and getting you confident for your maiden voyage. We're getting your hands dirty as we dive headfirst into the fascination of a project boat and we push you to pimp out your ride to its fullest and probably go overboard with accessorising. It doesn't stop at power boats. We'll take on the growing evolution of personal watercraft, kayaks and inflatables too. So come with us into the hook, line and sinker boat shed. Episode one. So you want to buy a boat. Nick, boats come in all shapes and sizes. Where do we start? Oh, Luke, it is just a pleasure to be here in the hook, line and sinker uh, boat shed. I'm itchy like I've got a case of mange from the fiberglass dust in my clothes uh, and you know, taking people on the journey of boating. I'm really looking forward to this. So you want to buy a boat? That's a very almost unanswerable question as to what is the right type of boat to buy. However, in the next sort of half an hour or so, we will um, we will try and mould that decision to some extent, Andrew. There is, there's a lot of choice, to be fair to say. Oh, there's a lot of choice. I mean, next time you're driving by the water, just have a look mm. out there across the range of boats. They come in all different shapes and sizes. Mm. Some are small, some are big. Some have two hulls, some have one hull, some have engines, some have sails. Um, there are literally a myriad of boats out there. Uh, so I guess what we're going to do is try and break it down. Uh, this this is sort of aimed at people maybe who want to buy their first boat. Yep. And we're going to sort of offer some advice because when it comes to the world of boating, Nick, we've uh, we've done a lot of it. I've also done many, <laughs> many things, many stuff-ups, and, and I think that people can learn from those. That is, uh, that is certainly part of the journey, Luke. Uh, you know, I would say that boating is a journey from which you never really know all the answers. You might have a bit of an idea along the way, but there's always um, there's always more to learn. Um, the Hook, Line and Sinker um, TV show has, I guess, become synonymous, synonymous with boating um, through our range of project boats. But, yep. Hardy, we've got a reasonable fleet, a flotilla almost. Oh, we do, Nick. Um, at the moment. I just, I was making a little list of them before. It's... Um, you know, it's it's not the most glamorous list of boats, um, but there are quite a few amongst them. Well, look, you and I both share a passion for older boats. Yeah. And and as you mentioned on the program... Well, you latterly share that Yeah, passion. well, that's right. Uh, you know, I, I used to just sort of laugh at you and, yeah. uh, why have you got all those old boats? Yeah. But now I, I have come around to it because yeah. they don't build them like they used to. And uh, look, our current fleet, and you've got a list there, but I'll just try and have a go. Have a go. We've got a 1980 Bertram 25, which yes, is Big boat, yeah. Which we've repaired. By our standards, which, a trailer boat. Yeah, a trailer about. boat, yeah. but you know, large trailer boat, which yeah. I actually used just two days ago. Yeah. with the family. Uh, uh, it would be described as a classic in any boating oh, yeah. conversation. It is a classic. So the old Birdie Twenty Five. Uh, we've got. Uh, oh well, I've got a nineteen sort of seventy Haynes Hunter Tri Hunter, which gave Less me many sleepless nights. But yep. it's uh, it's up and going again. Uh, it was a project boat, fully yep. rebuilt. You've got a Haynes Hunter V nineteen R. 
which is uh, by any measure also a classic, probably the grandfather of all, um, you know, powerboats in Australia, the V-19R. Yeah, yours is from like the 1960s, late yes, 60s. Yes, late 60s. Uh, we just bought a yacht. Yep, we did. Um, <laughs> we did well, as much as just to see whether there's anything in that because we noticed that, um, you know, about if you go to a marina, about half the boats have masts, not big engines on the back. So we thought, you know, as yeah. boating experts in the field, Luke, it would, it would be um, recumbent on us to find out whether sailing has got any merits, Andrew. To this point, the jury's out. <laughs> we'll talk about your day uh, a little later in the show, I think, Nick. We also are blessed in, in making line sinker to have new boats. So we're about to pick up a, a brand new bar crusher boat. We've yep. had uh, brand new bar crushers for probably the last sort of decade. Yep. Um, so that's exciting. That's another type of boating, a new, expensive, shiny, fantastic yep. boat where everything works. Played al- aluminium boat. Um, yeah, there's a couple you've missed. Um, you've got a wave runner coming, which is a personal, yes, water, you know, uh, one of those go fast things. Um, <laughs> where, where the day after tomorrow, taking delivery of a brand new old boat, a, a Pride Sea Raider look. I'm excited which is, about this. Uh, Size, how big? 21 feet. Uh, I think 21 feet. Yeah. 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 No, Just, it should be a good thing. So yeah. we've, got, we've got to go through the process again of. Uh, repowering and new transom, new floor, all that sort of stuff. So, and of course, uh, tinnies. We've got, uh, or you had a tinny you gave away. I've recently bought a tinny, so we've got those and various other boats. So, it would. We're not being disingenuous when we say we're into boats. We've got mm. lots of boats. All right, Andrew. We need to get into this because we do want to buy a boat. Uh, there's a lot to think about when buying a boat. So, I think we should jump in. Yeah, just, absolutely. Um, so, the first just, thing. I'll... Sorry, I, I would interrupt you there just briefly. Just, I think it's important that we give this some context. This discussion, you know, right. with a little bit of history, it's nice to start out knowing where everything comes from, Drew. You know, where did this obsession with <laughs> boats come from? You're probably wondering to yourself, and I know that people listening are. Right, um, yeah, sure, yeah. And it's fascinating, you know, the oldest boat. Are you giving us a history lesson? Yes, I feel, I, yeah. I feel there's a history lesson coming um, on. The oldest boat that we know of, that we have, uh, that's been discovered is 8,000 years BC, Luke. <laughs> so 8,000 BC, which is 10,000 years old, it's a dugout canoe which they um, found in the Netherlands, interestingly enough. They're yeah. up there. Um, but to, you, th- you might think, well, that's an old boat, a 10,000-year-old boat. Pretty old. But, pretty old. Uh, it is pretty old. However, there is good evidence to yeah. suggest that the first boats predate the first modern human beings. We're going back 800... <laughs> 800 dinosaurs Not boats. dinosaurs. That's right. stupid. You've been watching <laughs> the Flintstones. No, <laughs> take that out of your mind. But say almost a million years ago, 800,000 years ago or thereabouts, Homo erectus, who, (laughs) and if you're looking for a reasonable approximation of Homo erectus, Luke, have a look at Andrew. Um, So he's he's an ape, but he walks upright. He doesn't necessarily have the power of language. And the the Homo erectus was sailing around in boats. Oh, he's a very keen sailor, as it turns out. (laughs) (laughs) Out of the cradle of humanity, out of, you know, 800,000 years ago. Mm. So that's when Homo erectus has come out of Africa, basically. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Um, Now... In there, there are some ice so ages where, where, right. the, where the um, sea level went up and down and maybe he walked a lot of the way, but there is uh, compelling evidence yep. to suggest that when he got to about Bali, yeah. he needed a boat. <laughs> he must have had a boat Couldn't um, swim. to get uh, further yeah. sort of uh, east, east than that. Wow. And so he did. And so we're talking 800,000 years ago, which is 600,000 <laughs> years, more than half a million years before 
Homo sapien appeared on the earth. So that's pretty <laughs> – boating's been around a while, Drew. It certainly uh, has been. This what about in the last wow. sort of few decades? Well, it's interesting yeah, because you know. all of that sort of stuff yeah. was, you know, um, you know, might have been fishing or travelling or whatever. Fairly utilitarian, those yes, boats. Yes, It wasn't until probably um, – uh, the mid 1600s, when Char- King Charles II of England um, <laughs> <laughs> arrived back, I think also again from the Netherlands, very boaty up there they were, yeah. um, with a yacht. And he became kind of the father of recreational boating. On the Thames, he would have sailing races for his amusement and stuff, and he built yachts, and, and it sort of kicked on from there. And and kind of for the next maybe 300 years, it was very much sport of kings. You know, you had to be pretty well healed yeah. because you, you had to have people build your yacht and sail it for you. Otherwise, you had to have uh, slaves row you about, uh, yes. which is another way to get around. It wasn't really until sort of maybe almost approaching the turn of the century, sort of late 1800s, when the first outboard engine appeared, which was, interestingly enough, an electric outboard. Didn't catch on. Um, And then, you know, around the turn of the century, we started seeing internal combustion engines and then those funny little outboards. Evinrude was in there sort of uh, 1909. And then that all parted away until basically the latter part of the Second World War when... Fiberglass was invented, glass reinforced plastic. So you got these light, fast boats and you got big outboards. And from there, basically, she kicked off. From, you know, the 60s, 70s was the glory days of recreational boating and everyone had to have a boat. And that brings us pretty much up to date. I'm fascinated by yep. all that. Um, fascinated. Yeah. Well done. Thank Terrific. Um, but, look, I think it is important that we start deciding on what boat we want. Yeah. And the way to do that is to identify your mission. But what, what do you want to do in the boat? You don't Correct. want to go out and just buy any old boat without knowing what you actually want to do with it. So I think that's a perfect spot to start, Andrew. There's no such thing as the perfect boat for everybody. So you're going to make sacrifices uh, in the boat that you choose. So, for example, you, you, if you want to go out to sea... You don't want a boat that's too small. But then if you want to go in the shallow sort of estuary waters, you don't want a boat that's too big. You need to think about what sort of boat you can tow. All boats are compromised. All boats are compromises. Mm. Uh, You can't tow around a 30-foot cruiser. If you want to take the family, you know, you're not going to fit three kids and the wife in a 12-foot tinny. Mm. Uh, So what you need to do is identify what it is you're going to use your boat for. And this is an important step, Drew, to um, to have that clear in your mind because I reckon that's when you see most boats, new boats, come up for yep. sale on the second-hand market. It's when someone has bought this boat and it doesn't really do the job that they ended up wanting it to do. So, yep. um, you know, having a reasonable conversation with yourself, say, what are we actually going to do with this thing yep. um, that will put you on the right path to picking a boat that will do the job? Yeah. Are we going – is it a fishing boat? Is it a family... Yes. We like cru- fishing. We like fishing, yeah. yeah. Uh, is it a family cruising boat where you just sort of tow the kids around on a biscuit? Is it a kayak just to get you off offshore? Look at where you're going to be using this boat. So, you know, if you're going to be using this boat in, uh, in sheltered waters, do those sheltered waters ever get rough enough that you're going to get in trouble in a tiny little boat? Or if you're going to be using this boat way offshore you know, you're going to need a boat that is capable of taking you way offshore. You need to work out what your what your mission is going to be right from the word go. Is, is it going to be a hardcore fishing boat? 
Are we going to be out over the continental shelf chasing swordfish or are we going to be uh, towing the kids around with a biscuit and maybe flicking a prawn for a few flathead in sort of shallow waters? So all these sort of uh, decisions need to be made before you start looking at a boat, I would say. I think there's a process of elimination there too, Andrew. Maybe making lists is probably a good idea when it comes to all this sort of stuff and working out where you live, what's around you, where you're going to be launching this boat and using it the most. Yeah, so once we've worked out uh, what we want to do with the boat, who is going, then we can start to uh, to narrow down our choice. And I guess then it comes to how big a boat is right for me. 100 feet, Andrew, you want at yeah. least 100 foot or <laughs> 100 a big metres, one. 100 metres, I think. 100 metres is the new standard in super yachts. It is, it is a question, you know, how long is a piece of string, is how big a boat do I buy? What you are governed to some extent by is, um, you know, where you're going to use this boat. I recently, over the course of the summer holidays, uh, purchased a 12-foot tinny Luke for the uh, princely sum of $750. And I bought this boat and think, this will be a good little boat. I'll, um, I'll use this in certain states. Maybe I'll go and check my cray pot in it. Uh, you know, maybe take it up to the river and we might do some floundering out of it, What that sort of thing. Then on on the day after I bought this, and I bought this boat without checking it out or without uh, testing the motor and all of that sort of stuff that it's you're not supposed advice. to do. Yeah. Uh, yep, yep. <laughs> um, so I don't do any of that. But anyway, I put it in at my local boat ramp, which is uh, a big steep rock out into basically the ocean, open ocean. Oh, you know, it's a big sheltered bay, but... Um, and anyway, whereupon I was probably confronted with waves that were 50 centimetres high, you know, half a metre of chop. And half a metre of chop in a 12-foot boat is a reasonable sea state. <laughs> um, and as I sort of putted out, not really knowing how reliable my engine was, I was thinking, well, this actually probably isn't up to this task that I've got in mind for it. So uh, immediately there, I, I kind of had to rule out pulling my cray pots out of this thing because it's simply not big enough to do that job. So a 12-foot boat, if we're talking about what's at the, you know, the lower limit of what's the ideal size boat, beware if you buy a 12-foot boat, there are a range of things that you cannot do out of that boat simply because it's not big enough. Um, you know, any sort of wave will knock you around. You know, that kind of goes away maybe, I reckon it, what do you reckon, Hardy, 18, 19 yeah, feet? You know, 17, 18, 19 feet. In can... that sort of range, uh, between five and six metres, you can be out in a pretty big sea in a five to six metre boat. You really yep. can be. And most of the time the boat will persevere through that sea state much longer than you have an appetite to be out there. So you'll give up before the boat does. You know, driven well, if you don't do anything stupid or you're not out there in a cyclone or whatever, um, in most conditions, you know, 15, 20 knots of breeze and a metre and a metre and a half of sea, the boat will get you through and that'll be okay. Uh, not that we're necessarily you know, advocating going mm. out in rough water in little boats. No, but it does happen. You can go out, you know, on a, on a magic morning when there's not a breath of wind yeah. and go out with the kids and you've had a lovely morning and then yeah. all of a sudden a front comes through or a change comes through or even a sea breeze comes up. Yeah, yeah. And a sea breeze blowing against the tide over some shallow water, it's quite uncomfortable. And even in a 16, 17, 18-foot boat, um, you're going to get knocked around a bit. Yep, but you are. you and, are going to be safe. And it is, it is really worth bearing that in mind. The sea is not a environment and it changes and it changes really quickly. So that's a good point. So if we're saying 19 feet is maybe the Goldilocks length, it's relatively easy to tow. Yep. It's relatively easy. I mean, it's still kind of a big trailer boat, but it's relatively easy to power. It's not ridiculously um, fuel hungry. 
I'm a bit greedy, so I would probably up that size um, to 21 feet, so six and a half metres. <laughs> yeah, but um, you probably just, now have to have a four-wheel drive. You definitely you have know, to have a four-wheel you're, drive. You're not going to tow it with no, your Magna. You're not towing it with the Magna. Um. <laughs> not even the uh, – what was the big Magna? They made a big one. The Verada. <laughs> Verada. Yeah. yeah, no, the Verada doesn't tow it. Um, I mean, it, probably, it might get it there. Yeah, well, you'd be on the boat pulling ramp. pulling it off the ramp. Yes, yeah, so the front wheels start spinning. spinning. The yep. uh, yeah, no, I think you're right. So 19 foot would be, you know, a good-sized boat that, that allows you to do most things. You can you can tow the kids. You can tow a ski with that. What sort of horsepower do you think you need on that? Um, a 19-footer with a 150 horsepower outboard yeah. is pretty um, – you know, that's not that's not necessarily a beginner's or a first boat, but it's kind of, I reckon, the Goldilocks boat that can do most things. Yep. You know, again, as we're talking, all boats are compromised to some extent. That's bigger than you want in some environments and it's smaller than you want in other environments, but it's a pretty good all-round boat. You can put four or five people in it and go and do most things, I reckon. You're listening to Hook, Line and Sinker's Boat Shed with Luke McCredden, Andrew Hart and Nick Digan. If you're enjoying the series, give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Just hit five stars and tell us what you like about the series and why. You can get in touch with us and say day on our Facebook page, Hook, Line and Sinker, Australian Fishing Show. Now it comes to buying this boat. Uh, you know, how much, how much are we looking at? A lot. Well... <laughs> If you ask Nick, it's in the hundreds of thousands. But this is, it's, it's actually a great point. And if you, if you go on to any sort of boat sale type website or boat yard, there's, there's thousands of boats that you can, that you can look at from varying from $1,000 to $100,000. I think there's a bit of a trap and there's a lot of things to consider with this because it's not just what the price tag on the boat says. And sometimes depending on that sale, you might get things included and other times you might not and things can easily slip your mind. So... Once you've bought the boat, and in, in your case, Nick, with the tinny, you probably didn't do all the right checks, and now you're nope. probably going to have to spend a little bit of money. Correct. I do have a bit of a theory, which I'll get to in just a second, but things like a trailer, a rego, licenses, ongoing fuel and maintenance costs, um, you know, safety gear if, if all that stuff doesn't come with it too. So what I'm talking about here is, as I said, the price tag on the boat isn't always the final price. So you can look at all sorts of stuff uh, with with the safety gear like life jackets, EPIRBs, flares, extinguishing, all, all that, which can end up costing another 1000 to $2,000 if there's nothing included. Not to mention a decent trailer. If you purchase a boat without a trailer uh, or without a good trailer, you're going to have mm. to spend money. The trailer is a very, very important part of this whole purchase Obviously, it's spending the boat spending most of the time on there, and it is the uh, the the life of the boat depends on the trailer when you're on the road. So, trailer is something you've looked at recently, Andrew. I think, and, and what you can spend two to five grand on a trailer. More? I spent twenty five thousand on a trailer, <laughs> Luke, and I wish we had it for the uh, for the Beast, which is a Bertram twenty five, which is a big heavy boat, mm. uh, three mm. and a half ton more probably. And I, I went to tow it up to Unic, uh, yep. a trip of sort of two hundred k's. What you got? I, you I got left um, eighteen k's. Yeah, I, le- I left late because uh, I wanted to avoid traffic. Yeah, and so it was sort of eight o'clock at night. I was trucking along, and sure enough, I heard a awful noise, Luke, mm. and uh, looked back to see one of the wheels. Just sort of wobbling, uh, and that would be a wheel bearing. And so there I was stuck on the side of the road without the appropriate tools to uh, to change, or in fact, with it without a wheel bearing to, uh, <laughs> to fix my wheel bearing issue. Um, so that uh, turned into quite a long 
awful night, which went into the next day because I had mm. to find the bloke from the survey to fix it, and it was, uh, just it's a nightmare. And additional costs, as I as I spoke oh, about. Yeah, there was cost. Now the <laughs> the other the other side of it, which which sort of relates to that, is just the general upkeep of of a boat, of an engine, of a trailer, a standard sort of a service nick. Yep, you're looking at. You know, again, generalising two to five hundred dollars just for a very standard service of a boat and an engine. I'm saying, but lo and behold, there's something that needs replacing or something that needs sort of a bit of a touch up. And mechanics have a very good knack of finding things that need replacing. Oh, well, or, it's all <laughs> got to be right. Look, it's all got to be tip top condition. It's all got to be ship shape. Um, yeah, look, you know, you know, for a modern um, four stroke engine, uh, budget on five hundred dollars plus for a service. You mm. know. Uh, if you've got two of them on the back, uh, that's a thousand. <laughs> uh, you know, every time this thing needs to be serviced, and obviously you're taking it out to sea, and it needs to work, so you want to keep it serviced. Um, it's pretty easy to say, "Ah, oh, she'll be right. Uh, I'll do it later. Whatever. Don't worry. I've done that plenty of times, and I have spent lots of time on the side of the road with wheels flying all over the place, mm. coming off my trailers and whatever else, and yeah. blowing up engines. You know, like you say, the the price of buying the boats. Like for example, this thing we're buying in a couple of days' time, yep. the Pride Sea Raider, Hardy, which thing. is a six-and-a-half-metre boat. Yep. Big uh, boat. Big solid boat. Big, solid, solid boat. Solid, So this is is more like a $10,000 boat. Yes. And you can pay, what What does that cost you new? A brand new one of those, you could pay, uh, you know, $180,000. $180,000. So there is a massive range. Mm. And, you know, picking the sweet spot there, because obviously our $10,000 boat is going to come with some ongoing costs yes, probably. Yes, exa- um, exactly. Some things, you know, we, we've been in it long enough to know that, you know, when you buy the cheap boat, people will tell you there's no such thing as a cheap boat. Sometimes you get lucky, but mostly you don't. So I'm going to end my little budget chat mm. with a bit of a theory. Okay. Feel free to jump in. Yeah. If your absolute maximum budget that you want to spend on a boat like is yep. $50,000, yep. I'm, I'm just putting it out there as $50,000. Yep. 50 grand. I, my theory yep. is to only spend a maximum of 85 to 90% of your maximum budget. Okay. So, 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 f- so at in 50 that, grand, we're buying for 45000 Is that what we're saying? Well, what I'm saying is if that's your maximum budget of yep. 50 grand, yep. yeah, don't spend more than. Forty-five. We keep, we keep five grand in the old because you sky guarantee like you'll need slush it. fund. Yeah, it's not bad. Very difficult to do because what you'll actually do, Luke, is you'll spend fifty-five grand <laughs> or sixty. But uh, I can see the point you're trying to make because mm. you don't want to buy a boat which then you can't use um, because you can't afford to use it. Yeah. Uh, you don't want to buy a boat that is is sucking you dry just to pay yes. for it. Yeah. Yes. And then you've got to go and put fuel in it. You've got to, as you say, register it, put all the other gear in it. And because yeah. all that will happen is you won't use the boat. No, so, um, and you'll come to resent this great yeah, thing that takes up all your garage space and that you despise because it's taken all your money as well. There's another yeah. guarantee, and that is something we'll get into later on in this series, is that even if you've bought the boat, there is going to be something you want to add to it at some oh, point. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Boats are a work in progress at all times. They yes. are never, ever finished, never, ever done. Um, but that shouldn't put you off. No, It shouldn't no, put you off from buying Not one. at you all. You should buy a heap. <laughs> buy uh, heaps. Yeah, buy heaps of boats. Um, and, you know, there are, there are plenty of people. Most boats are for sale. Everything's for sale um, for the right <laughs> Certainly price. Certainly, most it? yachts are for sale. We found that. Yeah. Out. <laughs> and the thing about boats too is, everyone who's got a boat yeah. 
wants another boat. Yeah. As soon as they've got the boat, they want to go bigger. It's mm. just it, if you talk to someone, uh, you know, a rich little man who's got a <laughs> sixty-five foot brand new boat and he's just spent two point three million on it, he's going to want a seventy-one footer. It's just the way boats are. And uh, you know, if we've got our nineteen-foot boat, we will strive to have a twenty-two-foot boat. Yep. You know, in three or four years' time, mm. it's just the way boats are. So, but that's a fun part of boating. You can always move up from your twelve-foot tinny you know, up through the range. That's exactly sort of what we've done. Yeah, and look, as I was saying, there are plenty of places to get them. You can buy new, you can buy as as I tend to find myself doing, Andrew, uh, buying used, which is um, which is an interesting space. The used boat space, obviously, it's a bit like used cars, I guess, except there are far fewer of any given make and model. So, you mm, know, yeah. you, you don't get the same kind of... Um, range to choose from. So if the boat you like comes up, you might be stuck with that particular one. You know, we had an interesting circumstance recently where we were trying to buy a 23-foot shark had a bit of an old classic. And it was interesting to see, you know, what came onto the second-hand market. We watched for maybe, I don't know, three months, I suppose. Mm. There wasn't much about it, was there? There was uh, a couple of absolute ones that needed new engines, basically. Yeah. There, there were no decent examples of them. Um, no. And, and a good one, you know, it might have still been 40 years old. A good one was 80 grand and a terrible mm. one was 10 grand. So, you know, there is a, a huge range in second-hand boats and they're not all the same. You know, don't be fooled into thinking that just because it's the same kind of boat, it will be as good as a, um, you know, one that's a bit more expensive and that's been loved and looked after. Buying used, Hardy, obviously you can, I would say at the top of the sort of used, the good used ones tend to turn up on internet sites for which you pay such as boat sales. Uh, .com.au, you know, that tends to be your upper echelon, generally speaking, of used boat. And then we kind of migrate down and Gumtree is often the place that you find your your more bargain basement Mm, models. And it should be pointed out, you've sort of touched on it, Luke, but if you buy a boat from Gumtree or from the side of the road, just make sure that it's going to be safe to use, particularly Mm. fiberglass boats. They've got wood inside the fiberglass, which can be rotten. And, you know, literally the transom can fall out of the boat and you can be in all sorts of trouble. There's a really interesting thing that's just happened, I think, in the last few weeks in Tassie where the state regulator there, Marine and Safety Tasmania, have cancelled the registration, I believe, of some old boats that turned up in service workshops or something that were, the you know, the people servicing said that this boat is not fit to go to sea. So uh, the regulator actually came out and cancelled the registration of some of those old boats. So beware if you are, as you say, Hardy, buying off the side of the road, that your boat isn't a death trap because it yeah. does happen. You know, if if you have a catastrophic failure, if the transom rips out of your boat, the thing will sink like a stone. Yes. And that, that has There happened. was a tragedy uh, not that long ago in yep. Tassie, which has sort yep. of brought that on. And, and there's no uh, legislation at the moment that means you need to have a, a boat inspection. So, you know, if you, if you buy an old car and you need to get it registered, it needs yep. to go over the pit and the mechanic's got to look at it. Yep. Even if you buy a trailer and you want to re-register it, it's got to, you know, it's got to pass certain checks. Um, there's, there's no such thing as that for boats at the moment. So you can buy a boat that the engine's about to fall off and register it and go boating. So that, you need to think about that anyway. I have done it. I have bought one with a massively soft transom. It's very upsetting and you've bought it. 
any sort of cooling off period is gone. Yeah. Um, so I guess I guess the advice you would give there is to take somebody at least who knows something about boats who, um, you know, can give it a bit of a once-over. It, it's difficult, you know, there aren't heaps of people who are qualified, who you know, marine surveyors or whatever, who you can pay to go and look at a gum tree boat on the side of the road. They're probably not going to do that um, or the cost of doing that might be prohibitive. But just grab somebody who knows something and get them to give it the once-over with you because um, it's a bit of a, a bit of a minefield. So... Secondhand boats feel free, um, but go into it with your eyes wide open. Yep. I guess that's what you say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and look, there are some great boats yeah, out there, secondhand. You know, obviously, boats like anything else depreciate. So, yeah, a $180,000 boat three years ago might be 100 grand now. So, you yeah. know, you can buy well. And on the flip side of that, there's nothing quite like walking into a boat showroom or, or the boat or local boat show and seeing the brand new, shiny, flashy, all the new bells and whistles type setups. Sure, the price tags are probably a touch higher, Andrew, but there's um, it's a pretty exciting time to, to get your hands on a oh, new boat. that new boat smell. <laughs> oh, it is very exciting. Um, and look, we've been fortunate enough to have a few new boats over the over our journey. And look, the, the good thing about a new boat is that it's reliable. It, it's brand new. So everything works. The wiring all works. The engine's going to work. It's in fact under warranty probably. Warranties. So if anything happens, you know, for the first five or six years, it's just going to get fixed on warranty. Um, but in reality, it will last you a lifetime. If you buy a new boat now uh, and you look after it, it will last you. It will see you out. Mm. Uh, you know, the engines are so reliable these days. It's also built to standard. So all that stuff we were talking about before about the gum tree specials, yep. the engines ripping off. This won't happen with a new boat because there's now, you know, Australian standards that if you're a boat manufacturer, you have to build them a certain strength. You have to have enough buoyancy in them. So as if something catastrophic happens, if you run into a rock or something and punch a hole in the side of it, the boat will stay afloat. So you can actually grab onto it and and be rescued. Um, It's trouble-free, it's hassle-free, and it's worry-free. So if you can afford it, you you know you're going to get good trouble-free boating out of it. The, the only downside is that it is frightfully expensive. Boats, new boats are expensive, but if you can afford it, you will probably save in the long run. Yes, I think that's probably reasonable advice. I think you probably <laughs> will save in the long run. The point you make about, you know, the reliability of these things, a typical really keen boater might put on 100 hours a year yep. in their boat. Maybe that's at the upper end, people putting on 100 hours a year on their boat. Um, you know, we're about to buy an engine that's got four and a half thousand hours on it so how many years of boating does that add up to Luke I'm not too sure but it's a few so yeah it's a lifetime of boating isn't it and uh, you, you know if you buy new um, and then if you want to move up yeah. um, you know you'll get good resale for your new boat and you can sort of keep moving up so look I you know I highly recommend a new boat it's not as much uh, it's it's not as much fun with trying to get things going like uh, like you like tinkering around yep. Nick with yep. old inboards yep. and yep. and trying to get yes. massive there are fewer surprises go and... aren't there there are fewer <laughs> yeah. you know surprises if you I flick guess. a switch you know yep. it's going to work yep. um, but look and and it's shiny and it's nice and it's new mm. and it's exciting can you I, know can I ask a question mm-hmm. boat yards or online where should oh. people be looking first and foremost, or is it both? You know, I think you'll look both anyway, but it's mm. always very entertaining to go have a look around the boat yards. There are some great boat yards. Um, we're sitting in Melbourne today, and there are some awesome boat yards here in Victoria. There's a brilliant one down in Gippsland, Hardy, that's got a million <laughs> old boats in the in the uh, in the yard there. There's um, you know there's some good ones here. So I like to go and have a look around. You know, there's nothing like actually touching, feeling, yeah. seeing the boat in the flesh and you get an idea of its dimensions and, you know, what you might do with it and what 
features you might want to add to whatever else and you get some ideas from looking at them. So definitely I would counsel people go and look at them, you know, yeah. look at as many as you can. And we uh, stop at marinas. If we drive past yeah. the marina, we generally yeah. stop and have a have walk a, around the jetties yeah. and just look at the boats and yeah. um, the oh, more you sort one. of, yeah, the yeah. more you sort of look at them, the more idea you'll sort of get about what sort of boat you want. But um, like you say, like there are, you know, online is so good these days. There are plenty of photos and people are generally speaking. If you approach them about their boat, they'll have another hundred photos that they'll be more than happy mm. to email you and whatever else. So, you know, you can you can do quite a bit of the research before you get there to eyeball it. But I would say the more you can look at, the better. One thing I guess is... Uh, the engine side yep. of things. Big part of a boat. Big part of a boat. Yep. Unless it's a yacht, <laughs> less big parts. Or a robot, still or a kayak, boat, I yep. guess. But, um, you know, the conversation around two-stroke and four-stroke, Nick, you know, there's a big difference there now. Well, yeah, sort of. I guess, well, less so now probably than a little while ago. You know, when outboards first turned up, they were um, they were almost invariably two-stroke because that was a good way to get a lot of power out of a um, relatively small package. The problem with them was they put a lot of fuel and unburnt oil into the water, which we have come to kind of recognise not mm. such a great thing. So nowadays, the vast majority of modern outboards are four-stroke, which means they don't put oil, lubricating oil, into the water and they've got clean emissions in line with a car. You know, they can sell them in California and stuff like that, which is very strict <laughs> uh, emission regulations. Sort of Evinrude is about the only one that's gone down the two-stroke Road, who still make a two-stroke, and theirs are pretty complicated or pretty complex machines, and they seem to be able to do, they can meet all the emission regulations as well. You know, most modern boats will give you an indication of what's appropriate amount of power. You know, outboards are sold, obviously, in horsepower graduations. You know, a little one is two horsepower, and a great big one's 400 and what? 50 horsepower, 425. Um, so there's a there's a reasonable bit of choice there. You can also, if you want to, go for, um, you know, inboard power. You know, you might have a little diesel engine up the front driving a shaft or there are inboard outboards, which is an engine often, you know, sort of based on a, a car engine driving a, a leg. So that's quite a popular method of powering up. But, you know, the most simple thing is a tiller steer outboard that you basically clip to the back of your little boat and yep. then you basically add complexity from there. So, and as you add complexity, you add cost and you add, um, I guess, the potential for things to go wrong, um, maintenance issues. You know, so from your tiller steer outboard, you go to a simple little forward control outboard, all the way up to fly and drive, you know, fly by wire and all this sort of stuff, hydraulic helms and joysticks and all that stuff. So, powering up, you know, the boat's going to dictate what sort of engine you put on it by and large. We've had great experience with modern four-stroke engines, Hardy? Dogs, we love Yamaha and we have not had one cough, splutter or no. breakdown on us no. ever. Thousands of hours um, have not put a spanner no. on they're, one. They so, are like a, the modern family car now. And the only thing I'd touch on is yep. uh, how much horsepower is enough. I would say the upper end yep. of what the boat is rated to. You don't want an underpowered boat. They're sluggish and they go poor. Badly, yep. yes. So just to break that down, most hulls will have a... 115 to 150 horsepower yep. recommendation. Yep. yep, stick a 150 on it yep. because uh, or a 135, be... not a 115. No, yeah, don't put the bottom one on. No, and, and you'll find by having more power, you'll use actually less fuel because you'll the engine won't be working as hard. You know, at cruise speed, you'll only be it'll just be purring along. Whereas if the if the engine is is too small for the boat, you'll be you'll be driving it hard and it'll be revving its head off, and you'll be using yes. lots of fuel, and the boat yes. just won't go. So. Yes, it's a good way to wreck a boat. Yep. is not to put enough power on it. 
it's probably, you know, might be the number one thing not to do is to put too little horsepower on your boat. You want it to get up and go as it should with a bit in reserve when you need it, Luke. Yep, good. And just showing fast. Off. Yeah. <laughs> just mash the throttle and head for the hills. Very good. Right, yeah. Well, there's a there's a few little things to think about. Hopefully, it's put you on the road to to maybe choosing what sort of boat is right for you, whether it's a tinny with a tiller steer or a, uh, you know, flybridge cruiser. You will need to know a little bit about, you know, the rules of boating. Yes. And look, I'm very knowledgeable in this. A little I, bit is the operating I, No, no, no. Yeah. I actually did a course, which you guys haven't done. I know you haven't done. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a fully qualified coxswain. What? I'm a fully qualified <laughs> coxswain. Oh, um, okay. Coxswain, yeah. Uh, I actually went and did a did a course online. Very, very no, 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 about no, no, it, isn't no, it? No, it wasn't online. online. It wasn't online. <laughs> no, it wasn't online. I I, I achieved my well. It was a restricted coxswain. Um, yeah. <laughs> so but if I if I go back and do a couple more days, I get my full coxswain, which allows me to okay. go so boating and fully be skipper all yeah. the time. So yeah. anyway, look, confidence in, inspiring in the coxswain's <laughs> course. You learn lots of things, but even in you, you will need a boating a boat license in most states around. I think Australia. so. Northern um, Territory, not. Maybe you don't not. need anything up there. No, just, goes just a life. six pack. Yeah. But um, you will need a boat license and things. I'm going to test your knowledge, oh, uh, Luke. Okay. Oh. And look, this really? starts easy. This starts easy. Um, okay. What's the left hand side of the boat called, Luke? Port. Port, very good. Mm. Is this Andrew's Coxon's quiz? Is. I mean, I could do this course okay. online. Well, let's just if it's say, that easy. Um, where's the stern? Oh, that's interesting. That's the that's the back of the boat, Andrew. So, ah, where's aft? That's the back of the boat, Andrew, sir. <laughs> okay. uh, and look, what's the left-hand side of the boat? No, ask that one. Right-hand side of the boat. Luke? Luke? Oh, sorry. What was it? The right hand. Okay. Yeah. Luke, what's a gypsy wheel? Oh, okay. Nick? <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> it's on an anchor winch, Andrew, uh, and it turns and it will grip rope and potentially chain also. Okay. Very good. Luke, what's the pitch of a propeller? The pitch of a propeller is the uh, is the is the is it is it? It's got to do with you the blades. You've got a bit of a coxswain. <laughs> okay, you need okay. to go and do right. a coxswain so course. You with, might need uh, to go Luke? down to uh, the, the cabin course. boy, mm. Andrew. The pitch of the propeller is the distance it will turn if turned through a substance like butter. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, what's a cardinal marker with two arrows on the top of it, both pointing up? Deep water to the north. Or is it trouble to the north? I think it's trouble to the north. Oh, I think. Do you think? <laughs> Coxon. <laughs> and uh, look, if a ship is backing out of port going astern, Luke. This one's for you, Lucky. How many toots of the horn must it give? Definitely three. Mm. Yeah, I'd say maybe three. But anyway, yeah. so, all this sort of stuff you will need very, to know. Very, very good. I uh, thoroughly enjoyed that. Let's hope yeah. we do that again. Well, I'm, g- <laughs> I'm glad we covered that, Andrew. Well done on your qualification. The beauty is the next episode is all about the choices around the specific boat that you're going to choose. And it covers all sorts of stuff from the engine to the hull to the size to the cabin or console. Lots of variables. So that's all coming up in the next episode of Hook, Line and Sinkers, The Boat Shed. Line and Sinker is presented by Nick Digan, Andrew Hart and Luke McCredden. Produced by Dave Zwolenski. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. <laughs>